Today, there's lots of debates about the presence of Confederate statues, but these granite monuments aren't the only artifacts with ties to the Confederacy. If you go to the Virginia Military Institute in Lexington, Virginia, you'll find one of the most unusual examples. Frequently, our visitors come and ask us, is this the place with the stuffed horse? That's Colonel Keith Gibson. He's the executive director of the VMI Museum. The facility is home to Little Sorrel, the famed warhorse of Confederate General Stonewall Jackson. The museum has a stuffed horse? There must be a lot of padding inside that steed. Well, Brian, he's not actually stuffed. We do indeed have stuffed horses available for sale in the museum store, but when it comes to Little Sorrel, he's not stuffed at all. It's just sort of a a way that we tend to think of that from our childhood. But uh, he's quite hollow. After Little Sorrel died in 1886, a noted taxidermist named Frederick Webster mounted the height of Little Sorrel across a plaster mold of the horse's body. In fact, in Little Sorrel's instance, Frederick Webster was given the skeleton of Little Sorrel as partial payment. Today, Little Sorrel's skeleton is actually buried on the VMI parade ground. Hold on, okay. Why did they mount Little Sorrel's hide in the first place, Ed? That's a good question, Nathan. I think we might want to remember that this was Stonewall Jackson's horse. In fact, it was the horse that he was riding the day he was fatally shot on the battlefield at Chancellorsville. So Little Sorrel was very well known, and his popularity only grew after the Civil War. He enjoyed his notoriety and his celebrity status. He took, notably, a southern tour all the way to New Orleans, was uh, presented at uh, fairs around through the South. Folks would pay uh, an admission fee to see the Little Sorrel. Now, it took its toll on him. Souvenir seekers pretty much devoid the horse of his tail and his mane as they would pluck a hair to keep as a souvenir. And in addition to the mounted hide of the horse, we have something of a collection of of pieces of tail and mane that have been returned to us from uh, uh, maybe conscientious families over the years when they discovered that great-grandmother had visited Little Sorrel and took away a a souvenir from his mane. And they now felt obligated to return that to the museum. So Little Sorrel must have been pretty popular with Southerners, right? Yeah, that's right, Brian. After the war, Little Sorrel lived part of his life at the old soldier's home in Richmond where Confederate veterans tend to him. His mounted hide was first put on display there until it came to VMI in the late 1940s. Colonel Gibson says he's been a main attraction ever since. Today, he's safely behind glass and is inaccessible physically to to the public. But once upon a time in the museum, he was in a very much an open setting uh, diorama, uh, very close to the public. And there was more than one occasion where a visitor intending no harm, but wanting that ultimate vacation photograph would set their child on the back of Little Sorrel and take a picture. And we didn't necessarily encourage that relationship (laughs) with the horse, fearing that he or the child might be damaged, might be harmed in the process. His stance is striking to me. Uh, When I think of uh, horses that are mounted, I think of more of a horse in an upright position. That's one of our producers, Charlie Shelton Ormond. He went to the VMI Museum to talk with Colonel Gibson and see Little Sorrel. It's not really a stance that I would um, envision for a reputable war horse. 
it was pointed out at the time that he would be mounted in a moment of something, some unknown movement or sound capturing his attention. So his uh, head is uh, up high, his ears are pointed forward, directed uh, to that thing that has captured his attention. Unlike uh, statues, equestrian statues, uh, where you expect the horse to be in motion with a hoof perhaps raised, or maybe even two, as in the celebrated statue of uh, Andrew Jackson out in front of the White House, or you think of celebrated cowboy star Roy Rogers, his horse, Trigger, rearing back on his hind legs. Little Sorrel here is as if he has just been startled and disturbed from grazing in in a pasture. Little Sorrel has been here at VMI for a long time um, and has also been uh, in this form for a long time. So there has to have been some preservation along the way. About uh, 12 years ago, we went to the Smithsonian to have uh, their staff come down. And in this instance, Little Sorrel received a bath for the very first time in about 150 years, uh, which uh, terrified me when I read in the in the proposed uh, treatment plan that that was going to be a part of the process because I could see all Little Sorrel's hairs just floating off down the river and we'd have a, a bald horse to exhibit. Uh, but I was assured that no, that wouldn't be the case, that that's standard procedure these days. So uh, he endured his bath very well and uh, various other repairs were made to the hide at that point. It seems like he's a something of a main attraction here at the museum. Do most people come here to see Little Sorrel? And uh, if they do, uh, do you hear anything from them about uh, why they come to see him? You know, for folks interested in the American Civil War, there are only two mounted horse hides that one can visit today and have the experience of the reality of this animal being a participant, a witness of those events. Little Sorrel representing, one might say, the Confederacy with his ownership from Stonewall Jackson, and the other representing the Union, a big black horse named Winchester, who was Phil Sheridan's horse. However, there's real and a connection that these mounts tend to make for us today. For some folks, there are mixed emotions when they come around the corner of the museum and see a horse standing there. For our younger visitors, they do not necessarily realize uh, immediately that the horse is not alive, and parents will explain that. But even parents have mixed emotions about it. Some of them are just amazed that they can look into the eyes of this 160-year-old animal and wonder about the experiences that the horse endured. I always thought that Little Sorrow was on display in, um, like, an atrium. This is Stacy Palmer. She's from Alexandria, Virginia, and decided to see Little Sorrow when she passed through VMI. So when I turned the corner and saw him, I actually turned back around to the gentleman working at the desk. I'm like, is that really, like, the Little Sorrow? (laughs) He's like, yep. Um, I think animals is something that crosses gender, race, you know, it's something that everyone can, um, can just relate to. Um, so I think when you can teach history through an animal, I think you can reach more people. I'm a history teacher as well. Um, and perspective is really important to me. I also think animals bring human qualities to generals, you know, someone that you think is very rigid and firm and law-abiding, Um, But then you hear, you know, their love for the animals. And it is like you can look into his eyes and just, you know, it it melts you. So 
Ed, you've done a lot of work contextualizing Confederate statues. We've talked a lot about it on the show. How might Little Sorrel compare to Confederate monuments in general? Well, I talked with scholar Nicole Marantonio about the Mount Ed Hyde relationship to monuments. Now, she's researched how artifacts such as Little Sorrel have shaped the way we remember the Confederacy. In preserving Little Sorrel, what we have is a lasting artifact that preserves memory of the Confederacy, connecting contemporary visitors to a past that, certainly while defunct, is certainly not has not disappeared. Right. And looking at the contemporary landscape and conversations, debates surrounding Confederate monuments, Confederate memory today, we can see certainly the resonances of this history. And Little Sorrel really stands as one object, artifact, that crystallizes the the ways in which that history is is often neglected and forgotten. And the Stonewall Jackson statue in Richmond is actually based on Little Sorrel, right? The horse that he's on is Little Sorrel, and it's based on this taxidermied model. Yes. Yeah. The stance that Little Sorrel occupies in Richmond, standing at the corner of the boulevard and Monument Avenue, is modeled directly on the taxidermied Little Sorrel. But it seems in some ways the taxidermied Little Sorrel is more powerful than the granite one that's there, right? There, there's a, a, a human personal connection that seems to take some of the edge off what the Confederacy was fighting for. Because Little Sorrel was alive, and that's one of the largest the biggest difference between the monuments that stand on Monument Avenue and throughout the country and Little Sorrel himself is that the horse that stands at VMI was in fact at one point alive and does stand there to engage as a a lasting testament to what was. Do you think Little Sorrel is a more powerful connection to the past than, say, Jackson's uniform or something that was actually of human scale? I do, in, in that... The horse's significance isn't only in that the horse lived when Jackson fell, but that, in fact, he enables the possibility to imagine what could have been in terms of the Confederacy. Rather, when Jackson left, Little Sorrel lived on. So the horse becomes intimately connected with Jackson and then ultimately becomes really an extension of Jackson and Jackson's life. So, yeah, Little Sorrel was at the battlefields. That seems to me pretty direct connection to history. That's all Stonewall Jackson, you know, we, we study him for as, as a general. So doesn't this actually reflect the history that the horse is most relevant to? To an extent, what we see is Little Sorrel connecting to battles. But we don't get a sense of the larger context or what the causes of the, the American Civil War were or what the cause on, on behalf of which the horse and the Confederacy was fighting. So we don't hear about the context of slavery. And certainly what we don't get when we see Little Sorrel is a greater sense of the world that Jackson was living in. And certainly while we do see Little Sorrel on display, what is largely neglected are the stories of the enslaved people with whom Jackson interacted, like Jim Lewis. Tell us about Jim Lewis. I mean, I've read something back in the day, uh, older writing, saying that Lewis was the perfect counterpart to Little Sorrel. Maybe tell us how people would think about that and then tell us what you think about that. The connection between Little Sorrel and Jim Lewis is one that's often referenced when we think about the significance of Little Sorrel. Little Sorrel being connected to Lewis, who had been Jackson's body servant. Lewis was enslaved, and Jackson ultimately his master. But the connection between Little Sorrel and Jim Lewis is in one way, 
I think really encapsulates the paternalism of the lost cause narratives. So why did people think that Jim Lewis was such a perfect accompaniment to Little Sorrel? The language that was used to describe Jim Lewis in many ways mirrored the language that was used to describe Little Sorrel. Language of submissiveness, of faithfulness, of dedication and loyalty to one's master. And that language that really paralleled one another really exemplified the paternalism of certainly lost cause narratives, but certainly the beliefs that Jackson held. For they were equally obedient, patient, easygoing, and reliable, not given to devious courses nor designing tricks, more serviceable than showy, and altogether as sober-sided a pair of subordinates as any Presbyterian elder with plain tastes and a practical turn need desire to have about him. Both man and horse seemed to understand their master thoroughly and rarely failed to come up fully to all his requirements. Alexander Boatler, 1881. So what happened to Lewis after Jackson's death? It's really unclear in many ways. Little is known really about Lewis himself. And certainly while there is a sense that Lewis had been buried in Lexington at what had been Evergreen Cemetery, the precise location of his burial ground isn't really known today. So Lewis really mattered to people as long as little Sorrel was around for him to take care of. Certainly. Yeah. Um, and while there is such little known of Lewis, there is, in sharp contrast, much known about little Sorrel. If we were to take a look at, say, the horse's obituary, it occupies two columns itself in, in the Richmond Dispatch, for instance, in 1886 after the horse died. Old Sorrel, Stonewall Jackson's war horse, died at the Confederate soldiers' home near this city at six o'clock yesterday morning. He was Jackson's favorite steed, and often had he carried his master on forced marches, often had he borne him to battle, often had he been in the midst of whizzing bullets, often heard the crash of cannon and the roar of musketry, often he had felt his mane stroked by the great chieftain. And I think that's a significant point of contrast is how much documentation there exists surrounding Little Sorrel's not only life, but death, and how little exists surrounding Jim Lewis. What should somebody keep in mind if they go to VMI today to see Little Sorrel, as many people do? To be critical of this particular artifact and its place within this museum, on the one hand, walking through the VMI museum, one can leave and actually purchase commemorative objects that remember Little Sorrel, like stuffed animals and other objects that are intended, I think, in some ways to do that distancing work. And as visitors, as tourists to historical sites, we need to be more critical of not only the stories that are told within the museum, but the ways in which we choose to commemorate those experiences. So to what extent does the museum see Little Sorrel as a really important symbol for the Confederacy? Well, Colonel Gibson says that Little Sorrel simply did the job that was expected of a warhorse, and he shouldn't be regarded as taking a side. It may be too much to think that Little Sorrel had some nefarious preconceived 
intentions that led him to become a quote-unquote confederate horse. We easily understand this animal lived. So in a very real way, Little Sorrel stands today as a participant of those times, silent, but in his presence is bringing something alive, as it were, in an ironical sort of way. In a moment of irony, this uh, dead horse helps us bring that period of time alive. Colonel Keith Gibson is the executive director of the Virginia Military Institute Museum. We also heard from Nicole Marantonio. She's associate professor of rhetoric and communication studies and American studies at the University of Richmond. We're going to come back to this topic in a discussion later in the show. Thank you.